0: Good morning, everyone. My name's Claire, and uh, I get the joy of speaking to you this morning, mostly uh, because uh, all of the men on our team are at the men's weekend, so uh, you get me. Why don't you just for a second say hi to the person you're sat next to and tell them one good thing about your week, because you're going to need to remember that when we go into this talk. So one good thing that happened this week. Go. Another 30 seconds, if you can think of a good thing to share. Brilliant. Let's come back to the front. So... A good thing from the week. I was trying to think. I think the good thing of the week is that A&E only had a three-hour queue on Tuesday, Wednesday morning for my son. That was a good thing, wasn't it? Maybe. No, there's been lots of good things about this week uh, which have been a joy, and I'm hoping you'll hold to that because we're going to start happy like a good film. It's all going to go wrong, and then we're going to go to the end where it's happy again. Are you with me? Okay. Phew. Right. Good. Good. Before I dive in, though, uh, Becky will say a little bit more about this at the end of our service. But next week is Vision Sunday, and a time for us to have a bit longer together, an extended time. So we will be starting prompt at half past nine. Bring your coffee with you in your cup, and we're going to be starting prompt at half past nine. Still finishing by half past twelve, but uh, do not miss the first part of our time together. We're going to be spending time reflecting, celebrating, praying, and praising God for what he's been doing since our last Vision Day uh, a year ago, but I'll leave Becky to talk about the rest of that later on. So let's dive in to our talks, detox. We've been thinking about Psalm 23, and we've reached the point today where we're getting to a, just a little bit that just says, he restores my soul. He restores my soul. So we've made it to uh, the first part of verse 3. But first, a story. Chirpy, the budgie, never saw it coming. One second, he was peacefully perched on a little platform in his cage. The next, he was sucked in, washed out, and blown out. The problem began when Chirpy's owner decided it was time to vacuum clean his cage. You can see where this is going, can't you? She just removed the attachment from the end of the hose of the vacuum cleaner, shoved it in the cage, and the phone rang. She picked up the phone, only to hear, she turned round with great horror, dropped the phone, and went rushing back to the vacuum cleaner, turning it off, opening it up. I think that was a brave move in itself, if I'm honest. And what did she find? Chirpy. Now, Chirpy was alive. Oh, phew, you are with me. But able to do nothing more than lie there gasping for breath. He was covered in dust and the grime of the last few weeks vacuuming. If I think about what's in my vacuum, I'm not sure it's a few weeks, it would have been disgusting. But he did not look well. So, Chirpy's owner takes him to the kitchen, puts him under the tap, washes him off, as any compassionate bird lover would do, and then looks at him and thinks he's gonna die of hyperthermia as he sits there shaking. So she rushes upstairs, gets the hairdryer. You've seen the films, haven't you? Poor Chirpy. She put him back in the cage and every time turned the hoover on, Chirpy went like this. He stood there. A few days later, someone said to her, how's Chirpy after the ordeal of the vacuum cleaner? The owner replied, well, Chirpy doesn't sing much more. He just sits and stares and twitches slightly. My experience of talking to lots of people recently is that many of us are a bit like chirpy. We've lost our song. We've lost our song in one way or another. We feel like we have been through a vacuum cleaner. We feel like the dust and grime, perhaps even of the last week, has stuck to us. We feel like we've been underneath a big torrent of all kinds of rubbish. It feels like so many of us have lost our song in one way or another. Perhaps sitting and staring feels a little bit more of an option than singing and living life to the full. Don't have to live long, do we, to realise that life isn't that straightforward. You get hurt, you get discouraged, disappointment comes, failures happen and we carry that hurt and pain. If I'm honest, this week has felt a little bit like Chirpy's week. A&E, all kinds of other things with my son. It's just been that kind of week. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. I am always with you. We'll come to that bit in a moment. And so the promise that we've got to hold on to today is this one. You see, sometimes our souls feel pretty broken. Sometimes our souls feel quite worn out, blown about. We feel like actually we are not very balanced because we've gone through a life where Jesus said there will be trouble. And then right here in verse three of Psalm 23, it says, kind of, I know what life's going to be like. And therefore I am, I, your God, are going to restore your soul. Or in the NIV, he refreshes my soul. Or the new living says, he renews my strength. Or I love this in the message paraphrase, true to your word, you let me catch my breath true to your word, you let me catch my breath. That sort of feels like I'm going to give you your song back, doesn't it? I'm going to give you your song back. So the translations are subtly different, but I think they all say the same. We need our souls to be restored, to have our soul voices return to us. And that is the promise that we are going to hold on to today. He restores my soul. Say to your neighbor, he restores my soul. He restores my soul. I need you to hold that, right? I need you to hold that because it's going to get a bit gloomy now, okay? He restores my soul. Before we can work out, though, how he does that, we need to think about what kind of things might cause us to have our soul fractured or broken or feel worn out or stolen our song. i got four G's and I'm really happy with them. So you just go, thank you, Claire. Well done. Four G's. Four G's that we're going to think about. Grief, guilt, grudges. This took a bit of thinking about global pandemic. Grief, guilt, grudges, and a global pandemic. All of these things, and a whole load more that I could have, but I couldn't find, beginning with G, uh, have created things that that cause our soul to be broken or bruised or just plain worn out. They're things that came to mind as I was thinking about the last few months. Things that have worn my soul out. So let's have a little look at a few of them. We're going to start with grief. Gonna start with grief. And that passage that Coley read to us, uh, you might find useful to have open to Samuel chapter one is a story of David, the writer of the Psalm 23 and how grief had affected his soul. Grief though isn't just the loss of a person that we often describe. They're grieving because someone has died. Grief is so much more than that. It could be the loss of a job or the loss of a relationship. It could be the loss of a friendship, or the loss of a home, or some possessions that were really precious. It could be the loss of some part of your identity. It could be the loss of your health, the loss of your mobility, the loss that leads to that heartfelt Grief, all of us experience loss in one way or another. All of us are having grief uh, as a soundtrack to our life in one way or another. And so this passage in in David's story, it feels familiar to some of us. You could think about it in the way that you, I've just explained grief, the loss of something. Let's have a little look at it. 2 Samuel 1 starts with the uh, news coming that there has been major losses in a battle. And David is stood there listening to somebody who has been fighting in the battle and comes with the news. He says, what happened? David asks. Tell me, he said. The men fled from the battle and many of them fell and died And then the dreadful news comes, and Saul and his son, Jonathan, are amongst the dead. Jonathan and David were best buddies, best buddies. They're described as so close that they were brothers. Saul, the king, had, okay, not been David's favorite person in a lot of the stories, but he'd been there for the whole of David's life as king. He was the king over the nation. And so with the news, and we can relate to this, can't we, of the loss of a monarch, however good or bad that is, comes a grief, comes a loss. And for David, he lost his friend as well as a monarch. He lost his friend Jonathan, who was described as a brother. What news to receive, how does David cope with the loss? Well, of course, he puts a stiff upper lip on it, doesn't he? He gets himself busy. He denies the emotions, has some time for some self-care, joins a yoga class and lights some candles. You guys obviously were listening to the passage, were you? That's not what he did at all. He recognises that what he's been faced with is a huge shock he recognizes the raw emotions that comes with it we're going to look at that a little bit more in a while but david experienced grief in its fullness in that moment and so many of us can relate to it the shock the sadness The moment of not really sure which way uh, the world is up. That moment of grief when you get the phone call to say you've been made redundant. Or that moment of grief when a relationship ends. Or that moment of grief when you get a phone call to say someone you love has died. We can relate to that. In this world, we will have troubles. In this world, we will have troubles. Grief has become the soundtrack to some of us. And it hurts. And it's draining. And it's hard. I told you it was a bit depressing. Hold on to the promise. What else causes our soul to be broken? Well, guilt. Guilt. And oh did David, no guilt. You guys probably know the story really well. But what is guilt? Guilt is a feeling of remorse or sadness over a past action. It's experienced when we've caused harm, breached a moral code. Guilt is our moral compass in so many ways, so it is very helpful to us. But also, it can eat us up and destroy our souls. Psychologists have lots of different categories for grief. I got down a massive Warren hole with this, and I'm not going to go there now. It's very interesting, though. But they generally say that there are two kinds of guilt. There's false guilt, often caused by someone else or something else that's been done to us that we have no control over. It's not false in that it didn't happen. It's false that we have no control over it. It was something that was done to us that causes us to experience guilt. And then the character, uh, the category that probably quite a few of us relate to is when we do something to someone else or to a situation that we know is wrong, that we know is wrong. So the most famous story that David shares with us is him and Bathsheba, Bathsheba sleeping with Bathsheba. He's driven by his own desire. He seduces a married woman, gets her pregnant, murders her husband, deceives his generals and soldiers, and then marries her. If you think you've sinned this week and God can't forgive you, just look at that. Just look at that. It's a catastrophic fall from grace. And it looks like he's got away with it. You see, when we read the story, it goes on. And it doesn't say, well, he was found out and he was imprisoned and he was stopped from being king. It doesn't say that. After all of that, he somehow manages to deceive everyone. And you would think he's got away with it. We only need to read some of his psalms to realize that he feels guilty that it's eating him up. Psalm 32, that's on the uh, screen. My bones wasted away. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength sapped. You see, he might have seemed to have got away with it, but the guilt of that is recorded in so many ways in the Psalms that David wrote. He says he's as miserable as sin basically, doesn't he? That it's deep inside of him, this guilt, this hardship. Guilt is polluting him. It's intoxicating. It is destroying his soul. What about the next one? Grudges. Told you it was depressing. Grudges. Anyone ever held a grudge? Don't put your hand up. Don't have to. A bit quicker, this one. Not because it's any less than the other two, but I'm conscious we're going to get to the good stuff in a moment. Grudges are things that we hold against another person, perhaps a hurt and pain that we can't forgive, situations that we hold on to that means our hearts hurt. They're, They're things that drain joy or destroy relationships even. They might keep you up at night thinking about that relationship. Grudges can hurt and break our souls. Not forgiving somebody or not forgiving yourself is one of the biggest drainers in our relationships. Our relationship with God, our relationship with others, and our relationship with ourselves. Grudges can hurt and break our soul. And finally, to end in a good space, global pandemic. Anyone been through one of those? Just me? Wasn't it fun? Never want to homeschool again. Just saying. The global pandemic may feel a little bit like it's last year's news. But the effect it has had on each of us is huge. It's huge. It's beyond mask wearing. It's beyond the panic of homeschooling. It's beyond everything that was visible The effect that the global pandemic has had on our souls is huge. The effect it's had on our teenagers, mental health and soul, is huge. The effect it's had on our children is huge. The effect that's had on all of us in this room is huge. And we're only going to see the hugeness of it over the next couple of years. As life begins to move on from that space, our souls are weary our reserves are low. I never want to do another Zoom quiz. Just saying. The effect of the global pandemic isn't physical on most of us. It's on our souls. We feel tired. We feel worn out. We don't trust things and people and media in the same way as we used to. We don't trust each other in the same way as we used to. If someone was to cough yeah it's going to be a long winter friends isn't it interesting as we think about what we were going through a couple of years ago to now think we can sit next to someone again isn't it a joy but actually it went on for so long that our souls are hurting our reserves are low. And all of those other things, grief, grudges, guilt, are actually caught up in the global pandemic as well, which is why I've mentioned it last. You see, the grief of what life was before the pandemic is an experience for so many of us. We lost mobility perhaps through that time. I lost my mum through that time. We lost all kinds of things, didn't we, that have caused grief might have lost some purpose. I knew what I was called to do before the pandemic. Now, I'm not sure. Our souls are weary. And they're weary because we've lived through a global pandemic. And it's not been easy. And we're not through it yet. Told you it was depressing. And so before we move in to thinking about what God says about our weary souls. I'm not going to get you to share this with anyone. This is between you and God, okay? There's no talking about this afterwards unless you want to. How is your soul? How is your soul? Being real about it is something we're going to talk about in just a moment. But we need to, before God, who loves us, And is there for us and has a promise for us that he will restore our soul. We need to be honest. So let's just have a moment or two of of just complete silence. And you might want to write something down on your phone or on a piece of paper that just helps you say something about how your soul is. Now, I'm hoping a few of us are feeling good about our soul. So if that's you, please rejoice. Please rejoice. Write down, do you know what? It's going good. We're okay. But I suspect for many of us when I ask that question, how's your soul, you're going quite weary or hurting in this way or dreaming of this how it used to be or I feel a loss about. So let's have a couple of moments of just being still with God. How's your soul? let's just pause in prayer for a moment. Father God, we come to you being real with you. How's my soul? Some of us haven't even had the time to stop and think about that till now. Some of us have been worrying about things that as we reflect, we can see where their roots are in guilt or grief or grudges or a global pandemic. Lord, I love you, and Father, I invite you into what I have just seen about my soul, into the places where it hurts, into the uh, experiences that came to mind, to the place where I felt weary or hurt or painstruck. I invite you. And as we move to think about What you say about restoring our soul, even as we're speaking together, as we're sharing communion together in a few moments, may we feel you come and restore our souls. Amen. It's a big question, one that you might not have answered in three minutes. Maybe take some time. To journal or to walk it out, or whatever it is, and ask that question, "How is my soul? How is my soul?" Because actually, Jesus has a prescription for us. John Eldridge is a prolific writer, and he does a weekly podcast, um, which I found helpful in the last few months. And he talks about our souls needing a prescription. When we go to the doctors with a chest infection, you come out with a little piece of paper, hopefully, with some medicine that gives you the ability to fight the infection. Sometimes you need two. Sometimes you need 20. But there's something given to you that will help restore your health in one way or another. John Eldridge is talking in his podcast about how we need a prescription for our soul out of the way it's been battered and, and bruised and hurt, and how we need to come to Jesus and say, Okay, what do I need to be whole again? What do I need for you to do to restore me? And the first thing I think that's on that prescription is, is being real. It's being real. Back to that story in 2 Samuel, David and all of the men were really real with each other in that moment. They took hold of their clothes, it says, and tore them, and then they mourned and wept and fasted. Isn't that a beautiful picture of community? How that they together had heard this awful news and together They let the grief and the shock and the trauma just be real amongst them. Do you know what? Look back over the last few years of this community, as a Burlington community, and I think we're getting good at this. Definitely improving. I often get to the end of a service and I look around and there's a pocket of people praying. And there's another pocket of people who've gone and got a coffee and sat down and are just being real about their week. I often see people just praying for one another because they've shared something about how they are really, not how they think they should be. So give yourselves a pat on the back. We're not there yet. But let's keep creating a family together that can be real. But even more than that, being real as a community is great. But actually, Jesus' prescription for us is that we are real with him. That we don't get lost in the giving him our to-do list of things we want him to fix. Or that we don't get lost in just making sure we tick the Bible in a year off. That we are just real with God our Father. David's Psalms are painfully real at times, aren't they? He laments. He gets angry. He says he wants to die. But they're real. They're real about how he feels. They're also real about the promises that God gives us and how he doesn't always feel like he's living in those promises, but he knows in his head that they are And this is the second thing that I think Jesus prescribes for us. He says, I want you to live in the truth. I want you to live in the truth. So I haven't got this verse on the screen. I don't quite know why. But you know the Romans uh, 12 verse 2, which says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. The battle of the moment is often in our minds. See, guilt eats us up. Grief sucks. Grudges can be destructive. The pandemic has been costly. But God's promises last for anyone, ever. They are today, yesterday, and forever true. And so we can look around and go, Jesus promised there will be troubles but he also promised that he will always be with us. That makes the first bit a lot better, doesn't it? What truth do you need to live by in the circumstances that you face yourself in? Because when we speak that to our soul, it begins to strengthen it. And when we speak that to our soul regularly, we discover that we are restored. Isn't that beautiful? the regular giving of the truth to our souls begins to not just strengthen it, but restore it. This is the truth I've been living by every day this year. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favour lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. That's my truth for the year. And I, every day, are trying to hear that. And every day, it feels like a bit of a battle. But every day, as I live by that truth, I feel a little bit of my soul begin to restore. I might be saying that to me for the next 10 years. But as I live by that truth, the other truth of this grief's going to destroy you, this grief's going to hurt you forever, this grief is not going to be fixed anytime soon, I look at this and I go, do you know what? Weeping's going to stay for a night, but rejoicing's coming. Rejoicing's coming. So pause again for a moment. Is there a truth of God that's important to you at the moment? As you've thought about your soul, what Bible verse, perhaps steal mine if you can't find another one, but what Bible verse for you sticks in your mind? What truth are you longing for? to live by. Just a moment to think about that. You might want to write it down again, just so we can uh, keep a record to remind our souls. point uh, before we begin to think about communion. Jesus' prescription to you will not be just three points. So you need to go home and perhaps ask Jesus that question, how do I restore my soul? What are you asking of me to do? What truth do I need to live by? You can't just fix this in 20 minutes in church. Maybe you need to sit with your journal and your Bible and say, Jesus, what's your prescription for my soul at this time? But my last point is, is that he restores my soul. Can't go to Tesco's and buy this. Okay, you can try. I'd Love to see what they say. That would be a fun trip. Should we all go together? We'd like you to prescribe something for my soul. That would be amazing. Psalm 23 says it's the Father Shepherd who restores our soul. Going to light some lovely candles or a yoga session or some self-care is all very lovely, but at the end of the day, that will make you feel better and perhaps make you face some of the stuff that's going on in your life. But actually, it is God who restores our soul. No holiday is going to do that. No meal out with friends. No spa package. Sorry, friends. You can have all of those, but at the end of the day, it's God who we need to go to, who can restore our soul. And so it's simple and yet really complicated. We need to sit with the Father. We need to ask him, what do you need to do so my soul is free from the grudges or the guilt or whatever it is that he mentioned to you earlier. And you might need others to help you on that journey. You might need a prayer ministry journey. You might need some counselling. You might need to spend decent time with another person praying together. That might be the prescription that for this season, God is saying, I need you to do this. Are you going to be brave? We'll do it together. I'm holding your hand. Or it might be something else. But it is God who restores our soul. And it is us that has to say, yes, I'm up for that. I need you and only you. I'm going to ask the band to come up. And let's stand together if you're able. And just pause for a moment. It is the shepherd who restores our soul. And let's just be real for a moment. What are you asking God to do in your soul today? He is able, he is capable, and he promises that he will restore our soul. What a beautiful invitation that is for us today. Father God, shepherd God, I invite you to restore my soul. And I ask you to help me understand your your prescription for my soul. I ask you to come and to show me how you want to be at work in my life. And I understand that might not happen just in the 10 minutes I'm in church today. This might be a journey we go on together. But I invite you to hold my hand as I walk into that journey. Going to the goodness of God. You see, God is good his invitation is that he's going to restore our soul. And that in doing that, we're going to find freedom. We're going to find a renewal of joy, that our song is going to be restored. And so let's sing together, because we have a good God and we might be singing it freely and in a rejoicing way, or we might be even just singing it kind of, Come on, God, I need to see your goodness, because in this space at the moment my soul is hurting. So let's sing this as a prayer the goodness of God, his invitation to come and be with him, so he can restore our soul.